Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. Good afternoon, O'Rat Nation. This is Dan Bird on Tuesday, Valentine's Day, after the markets close. So I want to talk about the CPI number and what the market did as a result of it. Um, let me share my screen first. And then if anyone's interested, I want to talk about some of the things that I showed on Sunday. Now, if anyone's interested in receiving my newsletter, there's no charge for it. It's just something that I do for myself, mostly on Saturdays. And I send it to friends and family. But if you'd like to receive it, just send me an email to breakpointtrading at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to add you to the distribution list. And if you want to ever be taken off, just let me know. It's no worries at all. So on Sunday, I showed this right here that the expectation for CPI was at 6.2%. So moving from 6.5 to 6.2, it actually came in at 6.4. So a little hotter than expected. And one of the things that I said on Sunday was the indicators are suggesting more downside, perhaps a disappointment with the CPI number that might come in hotter than expected, allowing the Fed to continue to raise rates. And that's exactly what happened. It came in a little hotter than expected. I expect the Fed will will definitely stick with 25 basis points in March. There's talk that they might go to 50. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what the jobs number comes in at in March. And I think there might be one more CPI number in March as well. Um, but in general, I think the market wants to go higher. So the market uh, ended, the Dow ended down 156. The S&P ended down a little more than one point. And the NASDAQ, though, was up 68 points. So growth stocks had a good day. We've got retail sales coming up tomorrow. That's going to be an important one to see how the consumer is doing. And then the PPI number on Friday or Thursday, rather, is also projected to, to uh, actually go up from the last time. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, I showed this as well on Sunday. This is essentially the three months CPI numbers. So December, this was December, went from 7.7 to 7.3 was the forecast. It actually went to 7.1, so down 0.6%. And in January, it 7.1 was the December number. It was forecast to go to 6.5, and it did go to 6.5. Another 0.6 decline, so two solid months of declines. And then for yet for today, it was forecast to go to 6.2. It actually ended up at 6.4 instead. So a little bit lower than the previous month, a little lower than January, but higher than expected. And the market sold off at first in the morning and then started to come back. I showed this chart as well. This is what it looked like over a 12-month rolling average for CPI. And this is, these are the actual numbers right here. You can see the peak CPI peak or peak inflation right here in June at 9.1%. And then slowly it's been declining 6.5. And then today it's 
I'm going to show the updated chart of this here in one second. Uh, before I do that, though, let me jump over here and talk about something that one of the folks on the YouTube channel mentioned last week. And I did not know about this. And one thing that's great about you guys out there that watch these, and we appreciate that you do. And I also appreciate that folks may disagree and, you know, suggest different ideas. It's all, there's two sides to the market. There needs to be a buyer and a seller in order to make a market. So there's always differences of opinion. Zuber and I often disagree on things. Um, but one of the things that one of the listeners, one of the viewers mentioned was that the CPI number, the way that they calculate it was going to change. And I did not know this. So I looked it up and it's true as of today. So the schedule release for Tuesday morning, which is today's release, that's the first time they're going to use this new updated January price data. New calculation put more importance on the housing sector and less on used cars. Used cars actually went down. Um, so the headline number might be higher than economists had been expecting. And that's exactly what happened. Very interesting. So what they did was they changed the weighting. Rather than doing it every two years, they are now going to do it every year. At one point, it was actually every five years. And then they changed it to two years. And now as of today's number, it's now going to, it, it'll be updated every year instead. So that may have had a, an effect on why it was a little bit higher. Now, what I said on Sunday before I knew that, what I said on Sunday was that based on everything in the shaded area, it looked like the CRB was actually went up in January or actually stayed almost exactly the same. But gasoline looked like it went up and oil was just about the same, if not a little bit higher. And lumber went much higher in January. So that was the reason why I thought the number might come in a little higher than expected, um, even though it might you know, be the same as last month or a little lower, but still higher than the expectation. That's the reason I thought it would be. And it might be a combination of both of those, the changing of the way they calculate it, as well as what's happening. Now, what I notice here is that gas and oil and the CRB are continuing to climb. So if that continues in February, that might not be a good sign for the for the next CPI number in March. However, this is the chart that I just showed a second ago, but now it's updated for the new 12 month period. So prior to this, and I'll actually do this here. So this is what it looked like on that previous chart. Those are the 12 months that we were looking at. Now the 12 month period that we're looking at is right here. So this now reflects the number from today, um, it also will show you that even though this went up slightly, the one that dropped off for 12 months ago was actually a little bit bigger than the one that they're adding. So that's another reason for it to decline slightly, but not a lot. However, look at what happens next month. There's a huge increase in next month. This is the one that will drop off for the February number reported in March. And if we have a, a smaller one here in March, although based on what I just showed you, that might not happen, but we still have a much bigger one here that's going to drop off. So that might actually look good in March. The March CPI might actually come in looking very good that inflation is, is continuing to come down. 
you can see the disinflation uh, component here, and this is now added, the one that was just reported today. You can see a very slight, slight decline, but it went down a little bit. But the monthly rate of change actually increased. So we'll see what happens next month. But this is this is the way that these numbers are calculated. So keep that in mind. It's a 12-month rolling average. Especially this one right here between May and June is a huge increase. So when that one drops off in the May or June, the, the summer time frame, it's going to appear that inflation is falling off a cliff by the summertime. And I think that might encourage the Fed, even if they do a 50-point increase in the next one. I don't think they're, they may do much more. So let's look at what happened with the market. So the VIX, as I mentioned on Sunday, was increasing. Uh, it was actually going above, so it turned red. But today, the, the market actually performed fairly well, even though it was down a lot in the morning. It actually came back in the afternoon. So we're still below 20. That's still positive for the VIX. So that's still good for the market. Uh, but the 10-year Treasury continues to go higher. It actually decreased quite a bit in the beginning. It opened lower, went down, but then by the end of the day, it came right back up again. So it's bumping up against this trend line. And the 10-year Treasury is still you know, above 3.5%. There was a, a couple of other comments on the, the channel about folks not trusting the rally because the 10-year uh, Treasury or the Treasury yield was still inverted. I'm going to talk about that here in a minute. Uh, and that's a really good point. So I'll talk about it right after I do this section right here. So I showed this on Sunday as well. These are the sector sector reviews for today. On Sunday, all the defensive sectors were at the top. Now you can see that all of the offensive sectors, the, the aggressive sectors are now at the top. Consumer discretionary, technology, consumer uh, com communication services, which is where all the internet companies reside. Energy is still doing well. All of these that are above the S&P are outperforming the market. So that's a really good sign that these are on top. And I'll show you how you can dive into each one of these. So if, if you guys are using stock charts or would like to, you can do it for free initially. I think you can get this in the free version of stock charts. But when you open up the, the homepage, click on charts and tools in the upper left-hand corner. And there are a lot of different tools that you can use in stock charts. But I'm going to go to the summary, the sector summary page right here. And look at, look at the sector summary. So that's what I just showed you. These are the ones for today. You can look at these in different ways. There's for the whole week. You see energy for the week has outperformed. You can look at it for the whole year. Interestingly, the aggressive sectors for the whole year, which it's just January, so it would make sense that they're outperforming as well. But let's, let's look at today and let's look at uh, consumer discretionary in particular. So when I click on the sector, it takes me into the industry groups inside of that sector. And you can see automobiles is at the top of that industry group. Now, I've mentioned this before, but Tesla makes up something like 25 or 28%. It's the largest holding in the consumer discretionary group. So it makes sense that, that uh, automobiles at the top for the industry. Phoenix Motor, I don't know anything about them. Looks like a penny stock. So they're all the way down. They've dropped from about $8 to $1. 
but they had the biggest percentage gain, almost a 10% gain today. But the next one, Tesla, which is the one we'll look at, did really well today. So they were second best in the whole industry group. And then if we look at Tesla's chart, I'm gonna open this chart in a new link right here. And this is what Tesla looks like. You can see down here that it had a really good day. It's coming up on its 200 day moving average. So if it breaks out of that and the accumulation distribution line right here, this, is, this shows all of the big institutions accumulating. If it breaks above its 200 day moving average, a lot more institutions are going to get in. So it may not be too late for Tesla, even though it may come back down. Many times stocks, when they get extended beyond this blue line, the 21 day moving average will like to come back down to it. So it may actually hit resistance at the 200 and come back down, but it's still looking very good. There are other ways I can look at this. Stock charts allows you to set up different views and different charts over here on the left-hand side. I'm gonna look at one for relative strength. Now this basically does the same thing that I just did where we went from the number one sector to the number one industry, to the top stock in that industry. But this shows it to you in a graphical format. So the top one, the gold up here is consumer discretionary versus the S&P. So if it's moving up, that means it's outperforming the S&P. And this is a 50-day moving average line right here. So it's outperforming the S&P. The next one is the industry versus its sector. How is the auto industry performing versus the consumer discretionary sector. And we saw before that it was number one. So you can see here that it's outperforming the sector. The next one is Tesla within its industry. So the, it's its own peers. And you can see again that Tesla is outperforming its peers. And then finally, how does Tesla doing versus the whole market? And again, Tesla is outperforming the whole market as well. So that's a great way to look at, this is the way that you should look at relative strength, really. It's not just the RSI, the relative strength index, which is something that I put on all of my charts. And you can see down here that it's doing really well with Tesla as well. But this shows you the relative strength of Tesla versus itself. How is it doing versus the way it's performed previously? But these three up here show you how it's doing versus the S&P, the, the sector, the industry, and then the stock itself. So that's the way to really, you should look at um, relative strength. The last thing I'm going to do is look at technology here. And within technology, we have semiconductors. It did really well today. So these are all the semiconductor stocks. You can see in, NVIDIA down here near the top of the semiconductors. AI is getting a lot of play lately. So if I open NVIDIA, there's NVIDIA's chart. Again, had a great day today. and looks like it's continuing to go higher. If I look at the relative strength, there's the sector versus the S&P. There's the industry for semiconductors within technology. This is NVIDIA within semiconductors and then NVIDIA versus the whole market. So in every case, it's outperforming. Again, that's relative strength for NVIDIA. And then if I look at software, which software has been doing really well as, uh, right now too, you can see one that uh, everybody on CNBC was talking about is Palantir. Palantir is in second, second position in software. One Connect is number one. I don't know anything about that company, but it actually had a 29% change. But Palantir had a 21% change today. And if I open Palantir, 
can see how it's performing. It's actually breaking out. It's above its 200-day moving average. Huge volume today. And then on a relative strength basis, again, we know that the technology sector is outperforming the S&P. Software is beginning, just beginning to outperform the uh, sector. This is Palantir within its own peer group. So Palantir is outperforming its peers in its industry. And this is Palantir versus the whole market. It's just beginning to outperform the whole market as well. So if we go back and look at that chart, you can see that it's just breaking out. It's getting above this place right here. It's only $9. I mean, Palantir was $30 or $40 just a few months ago. So the, the market in general sold off today, but it started coming back. And software and semiconductors are outperforming. Those are all growth areas, aggressive areas. The um, market itself, as I mentioned before, we have a, a higher low and a higher high. The downtrend is broken. The market wants to go higher. And it's very likely it's going to get back up to 4,700, 46, 4,700. I think when it gets up to this high right here, around 4,600, there, there's going to be significant resistance. And that's where the market will make a decision. Is it going to keep going and break out to new highs or will it reverse and come back down? I think that's the decision point right there. But we've got to get through 4,300 next. That's the next point. So the last thing I want to mention is the yield inversion. I saw that on the channel as well. That a lot of folks don't trust the rally because the, the yield um, is inverted. And usually that means a recession is coming and it's been a pretty re reliable sign of re recession in the past. So I won't disagree with that. However, what I want to point out is that the yield, the recession occurs, you can see it right here recently. This is the COVID crash and this is the 2008 recession. The recession occurs six to nine months after the yield inversion goes positive again. Okay, I wanna make sure that that's clear because everybody talks about the yield inversion and that means a recession is coming. And that probably is true. It may very likely be true. We don't know how deep the recession will be, but that, that has always proven to be the case in the past. However, what they don't say on CNBC is the recession happens six to nine months after the yield inversion goes positive again. You can see it back here. The yield in, it was inverted and stayed inverted for almost a year and a half. The recession didn't happen until after the yield inversion went positive. So for all those folks that are, are afraid of this rally because the yield is inverted, I would just say that's not the thing to really look at. Yes, it may predict a recession, but, and you can see right here in 2008, the market declined. The green line is the S&P. The market declined as the recession went up and the yield uninverted. And then in the COVID crash, the market went down significantly during the recession, but that the recession did not happen for six to nine months after the yield went positive. So it's not looking at the yield inversion that's important. It's looking at when the yield inversion goes back positive. That's what's important because that's 
that will tell you when a recession is coming. This one here goes back even further. So this, this has the 2008 one. This is the 2000-2001 recession. There's the yield inversion. It went back positive. Then the recession occurred. Here's 1980. This is the 1991 recession right here. The yield inverted and it went back positive. 19 months inversion, 19 months before the recession. This one was 13 months. This one was 23 months. This one back here in 1980 and 1981, nine months before the recession, 17 months before the recession. So keep that in mind with yield inversion. It, do, it doesn't mean that it's imminent, the market's gonna crash or that even a recession is going to occur. The recession occurs well after the yield inversion goes back above zero. You have plenty of time to ride this rally. Anyway, that's uh, what I wanted to share tonight. Hopefully that was useful and helpful. If you're interested in, I'm gonna put this in my newsletter next week, by the way, because I saw a few people talk about this yield inversion um, on the channel. So I think it's important that uh, everyone understand it. If you're interested in receiving my newsletter, just send me an email to breakpointtrading at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to add you to the list and you'll start receiving it. So thanks a lot. I am out of uh, out of town. I won't be back on until Sunday. Uh, Zuber, I'm sure, is having a great time. I don't know if he's even watching these, but if you are, I hope you're enjoying yourself in Bali or wherever you are. Hook cat somewhere over there. Uh, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Take care.